Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? It would be so awesome if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about. Kind, loving, Christian conversations. It's not a sermon, not a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. In the conversation you're about to hear, I visited with two new friends, Belinda Phillips and Leanne Kemp. These ladies have their own website and podcast. You can check it out at thebibleandcoffee.com. I'll link to that in the show notes. But in this conversation, we talk about their mission to help other women understand and embrace the grace of God. I grew up in the church Christ. My dad was a preacher. Um, grace was not taught. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and, and there was no grace. And so it was so difficult for me when I needed grace mm-hmm. to accept it. But you have a younger generation that comes in, and grace is all there is. You know, and God loves me, and it, and it doesn't matter. Um, but there's stipulations that God puts on us, you know, the commandments that we're, we're, we're required. And they, and they don't know those, those requirements. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's, there's no balance from either side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've been trying to establish and I think you say, you know, the younger generation, but I think that younger generation expands up into our age women to a large part, you know, who have not explored and studied for themselves. They've just listened to what they've been told mm-hmm. instead of really digging deep for themselves. And we, we were in a ladies Bible class with older women and there were we were going through the Bible, literally from Genesis through the Gospels. And there were older women that were saying, I didn't know that it said that. I didn't know that the, that's what that's what happened. And, and that I didn't even know this story. And these are women that were raised in, in the Bible. And, that, and that's what we want to do through our ministry is be able to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. Tell the stories. That, and, and we said this the other day in our podcast. You don't have to read the Bible from beginning to end. But if you can go through the stories... It's a great way to start learning what God required, how people messed up, where grace mm-hmm. abounded, you know, why Jesus was here. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just by knowing the stories. Mm-hmm. But uh, we don't. We, we, I think there's a mindset that I can't understand the Bible. Mm. Um, I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know, I don't have time to, you know, I don't have that scholar. We're not scholars. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, if you listen to our podcast, we are not scholars. <laughs> <laughs> We're women who like to talk. <laughs> but we are not. However, we've learned a lot about, especially in the series that we're doing, Stepping Out of the Ordinary, that our preconceived notion about women back in biblical times is not accurate. Yeah. It really isn't. There's lots They're a of, lot stronger than we want to give them credit for. Right. Yes. Right. A lot stronger. And did a lot. It did a lot for Christ. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that that's... It's sad how often we fail to bring out, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, just how integral uh, women were and how, I would say, nothing has done more to elevate the the place of women and, and how women ought to be treated and respected than the gospel 
Unfortunately, though, the Bible has been misunderstood, and therefore some have used it, even though what the Bible actually does is elevate women, what, the, what it's been used to do is to degrade and kind of put women over in a corner and, and subjugate them to a place of unimportance when the gospel actually does exactly the opposite. Yes. I mean, you have women serving, you had business women, you had... What was her? What's her name? Uh, the the wife of Chusa, the Herod's house. I mean, she was part of Jesus' ministry. Oh, his household manager's yeah, wife. The, the, yes, his. I mean, the money that she's getting from Herod mm-hmm. is going to take care of Jesus' ministry. I yeah. mean, how ironic is that? But just that that passion that we want to create with women that you can serve God. And I know that for me, finding that grace. Before I realized that I had that grace, it was hard to serve God because mm-hmm. Satan wanted me to say, hey, you know what? You've messed up. This is not, you know, you weren't that perfect girl. You weren't that perfect church of Christ daughter, you know, preacher's daughter. And, and it, it kept me silent. Mm-hmm. And that's what Satan wants us to do. So we have to understand that grace. We have to accept it. And then, then we have to live as if we are pardoned. Mm-hmm. and that we have a second chance. Right. You know, I, something that, that occurred to me, and I don't know why it took me so long to, to figure this out, but it's funny. You know, they used to say that uh, uh, when you said a prayer before dinner, you would call it grace. And that, that never made sense to me. Why, why do you call that saying grace? But, but the word grace is so interesting that, that it's both tied to a gift as we tend to think of it, you know, something is given free as a gift, but it's also tied to the idea of gratitude. In fact, at the very, at the very root of the word gratitude is the same root as grace. And so when we say that we're saying grace, what we're doing is we're, we're showing gratitude. We're showing the proper response to grace that's been given. So something's been given to us, our food, and we're saying grace in return. We're, we're showing gratitude. In fact, we use the word for the opposite of that. We use the word ingrate. We say that a person is an ingrate if they are not grateful for the things that they've received, that they're not grateful for grace. And what I've really tried to emphasize over the years now is that our whole life as Christians is supposed to be a response to the grace that God has given us. Our our whole life is to be lived out in gratitude. And that's where that enthusiasm comes from. That's where that passion comes from. That's where the good works come from. When we, when we work because we're saved, rather than this idea of, I've got to try to be good enough. And, and if we try to be good enough, either, either we're left being proud, thinking that we've achieved it, or, <laughs> or we're left feeling hopeless and saying, I could never be good enough. But don't you think there's some sort of balance that maybe, I know in our case, older women, because that's who I've taught so much at our church, they've lost that balance of grace and needing to earn their way to heaven. Mm-hmm. One of the saddest moments and it was repeated, you know, year after year. We had this sweet woman. She's 90, in her 90s. And almost every week we'd have the study, and she'd look at me, and she would say, I just hope I've done enough. Yep. And it just broke my heart that here is this sweet Christian woman who has done more than enough, you know, by just living a life loving God. Mm-hmm. And yet her concern is, I hope I've done enough. Right. And if we can do anything you know, to help someone understand, help other women understand that grace is not earned. Mm-hmm. It, like you said, it's just a gift. Mm-hmm. And if when you accept a gift, then you, you do, you express that gratitude. Right. 
Continually. Yeah. All the time. Right. With passion. Mm-hmm. I think Satan wants us to say, you know what, you messed up. So if someone, whoever knows that you messed up is not going to believe you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so instead of, we come to church because we need to be fit. We're constantly saying, okay, I've messed up this week. I got to go to church. When in fact we should be, I need, you need to come with me. Mm-hmm. I need to show you what I've got. I need to show you what I was given. Mm-hmm. And this is why I can walk this walk. This is why I can talk this talk mm-hmm. because of that gift. But we can't, for some reason, we can't find that bal- that in-between, that yeah. balance. And for women, it's, I think it's even more difficult. Yeah, and you're right. My grandmother, I'll never forget, you know, I was a little boy, and I remember her saying to me the same thing that y'all are talking about. She said, I, she told me at probably 10 years old, maybe even younger, I don't know that anybody can know whether or not they've been good enough to go to heaven. Uh, and, and for some reason, even at a young age, that kind of stuck out because I remember it. And over the years, it, it just has broken my heart that that's the way she thought about life was that she thought her job was to try to be good enough to, to go to heaven. And so I don't know, I don't know that it's as much a balance as it is just understanding what, what grace is, you know, that it, it, is, it is a gift and that I can either accept it in gratitude or I can reject it. And that's what I think that's what I think a lot of people unknowingly are doing is that even the people that talk a lot about grace but are living a lifestyle that is out of sync with the gospel and out of sync with what Jesus taught us how Jesus taught us to live, what they're doing is they're actually rejecting grace. They're rejecting the gift that God has given us. And that's what's so heartbreaking is they're saying, well, you know, I can do, because of grace, I can do whatever I want to. That doesn't even make sense. That's like somebody saying, you know, here, I want to give you, I want to give you this new house or this new car or whatever it is. And we say, okay, because, because of this gift, I could do whatever. Well, no, that, that's not at all what that means. It, It means that I've given you. And, and like you said, there are stipulations and the stipulations are that we use grace, that we walk in grace, that we, we use it to his glory. And, and that's where I think the idea of faithfulness, you know, we often talk about grace and faith and the biblical word for faith is, in fact, there's no difference between faith and faithfulness in the Bible. The, it's the same word. We just kind of based on context, whether or not we translate it one way or the other. And that's really what faith is. It's this loyalty to Jesus. And that's the response of grace is we're loyal to Jesus because of what he's done for us. But we've got a lot of people that to them, it's not, it's not a gift that they've given, been given. It's a, it's a stack of rules that they feel like they've got to, they've got to check everything off and they're afraid. And it really gets down to the character of God that they're afraid that God is of such a character that he will, he's looking for a reason to kind of get them or something. And, I used to live that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really did. I used to live like I messed up. Oh, my goodness. You know, almost like the Catholic type of, you know, what do I need to do? to get, mm-hmm. Forgetting that his grace is sufficient. Well, and if you never accept that grace, you'd live your life in limbo. Yeah. With no hope. And yes. you can't accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no hope. And, and and there was a time in my life where, you know, I there was no hope for me. Mm-hmm. I, I just, what was the point? And that's what I personally, through our podcast, we want to give women, there, there's hope. Mm-hmm. You can live in that hope and you can share that hope with others. 
and you can tell others, hey, this is who I was before Christ. Mm-hmm. And because of Christ, those stipulations, those aren't, those aren't hard. Mm-hmm. I think we see those as hard things. Mm-hmm. And don't you agree that the stipulate, God, those commands are not hard. Mm-hmm. They're easy. Where in our mind have we decided that those are hard things? Mm-hmm. Satan has convinced us that it's too hard and we can't do it. Right. Well, the world banks them hard, though. You know, the world does throw things at you that, you know, you're going against society's norms. You're not being politically correct. You're not, you're, it is hard. You know, and I think, I think it's difficult to go against the world and close friends that you may have. It's right, but I disagree. I think it's hard. I do think it's hard. <laughs> See, sometimes we don't agree. That's good. That's, <laughs> that's what happens in a conversation is sometimes right. we don't agree. And I think I think it depends on how we define, maybe it depends on how we define hard. And like you said, what what about it is hard? Well, it's hard to deal with the consequences if if we lived in a bubble, you know, and, and that's why it's it's easy when we're here, you know, when we're yeah. just among church people, it's really easy, you know, to, to do all the things because we know ultimately the things that, Jesus has told us to do are ultimately good for us. You know, it's, it's good for us not to sleep around and go get drunk. And it's good for us not to live unwise and, you know, self-indulgent lives. That's good for us. And most of us probably know that whether or not people want to admit that we all know that. But when it becomes challenging is that we're going against the grain of society. We're going against what our friends are doing and we're going and, and that's hard because of how people look at us and how people treat us because our, our life of good works and self-control is an indictment on their life. You know, when, when you're out doing what you want to do and you're just having fun and then somebody comes along and they're not living that way, then you feel, you feel judged. You think you're better than I am? How come you don't do these things? And, and Peter says that. They'll be shocked that you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery. You know, they, and, and they, they, when the light shines on the darkness, the darkness can either embrace it or it kind of retreats into the darkness. And so that is that is hard to to live a life of light in the darkness because, you know, like Jesus, they they don't like it. And it's I will say, I I think I could agree with you because it's just like Peter. It was very easy when Peter is in there with all the apostles and Jesus talks to him and he says, hey, I got your back. Mm-hmm. I got your back. Mm-hmm. This is going to, you know, don't worry. You know, and he says, nope, you're going to deny me. Th-. No, you know, and then when he's out there and he's by himself and in his life, possibly in jeopardy and they're, start, you know, then all of a sudden it changes mm-hmm. because he is in the world. So I, I can agree. See, sometimes I agree with her <laughs> eventually I get around to it, but you know, for Peter, it was yeah. hard. It did get hard, and I and so I, I submit to your, <laughs> you, your actual. Um, it is hard, but I, the key to that whole story is, after he denied Christ, what did he do? He came. Oh, back. he was repentant. Preached that's the it. best. And that's what we need to best remember. Best sermon the, ever. To me, the lesson of that whole story is not that he denied him; it's that he was sorry he did. Yes. And what did Christ do? He just said. It's fine. Come back. Right. You know, forgave him. And that's that's the grace that we live under. It's fine. Well, it's not fine, but you're forgiven. Right. Come back. And it's just like in the Old Testament. I mean, God tells the Israelites, you know, if you leave me, it's bad. 
If, if you walk away from me, it's bad. But then in the next chapter, he says, but if you come back, mm-hmm. I will delight in you. I mean, there's that, God wants us to come back. And I think sometimes for when we think that we have just failed miserably, we don't realize how much joy God gets mm-hmm. in the fact that we come back to them. And mm-hmm. that's what we want to portray to women. Yeah, We want them to understand that God delights in them coming back, back to him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene, you know, all of these women that we're studying the stepping out of the ordinary, these are women that delighted in who Christ was mm-hmm. and they knew that God loved them. Mm-hmm. And he, del- he delighted in them. Yes. And that's what we want women to understand. And you know, the, the cross puts all of that in perspective because it, it both tells us how serious sin is, that sin, I, I mean, you can't look at the cross and think God doesn't take sin seriously on the one hand. And on the other hand, you can't look at the cross and think that God is unwilling to forgive whatever it was that we did. And so it, it keeps that, it keeps everything in perspective where we realize what I've done is horrible, but what I've done is forgivable because of the cross and, and understanding that it's that, that blood that atones for our sins and that it's not, it's not good works. You know, we, we, going back to that idea that we wonder if we've been good enough or not, we tend to think about sin on a scale. And on one side, there's all the things bad that we've done. And on the other side, there's the good stuff that we've done to try to make up for it. And when we think about things in that way, we are denying the cross because the only thing that atones for sin is blood. It's not good works. Good works don't take away sin. Only blood does. Uh, and, and so it's keeping that in perspective that, that Jesus can and is willing to and wants to and longs to atone for my sin. And, and at the same time, I can't. I, there's nothing that I can do. All I can do is receive that in faith. And accept it with joy. That's it, yeah. With pure joy. And I think once you do accept it, to use your words, you want to willingly give it back. You mm-hmm. want to long to give it back mm-hmm. to him. You know, those things should be just pouring forth because you're like, I love you so much. This is what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Not have to do. This is what I get to do for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my pleasure because of your grace. Mm-hmm. I can give these gifts. So you're kind of agreeing with me. It can be easy once you've accepted that grace to obey those those commands become a little bit easier. Don't you think she just agreed with me? I think she just did. I, no, I, th- I think you guys are closer on the same page than you think. <laughs> I think it's it's a it's a measure of both. Yes, yeah. It is a measure of both. Sure. I just think Satan really, and and that's in our podcast and and our uh, ministry. We want to reach those women that maybe are even fearful to even walk through the door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's intimidating to walk through church doors. Yeah. You know, am I, am I going to be accepted? Mm-hmm. You know, do they know or do, I don't want them to know, you know, um, to hide all of that. And we want to take that away through our ministry. We mm-hmm. want that to be able, um, this series, Stepping Out of the Ordinary. We want women, of, women within the churches of Christ to be able to feel like they can share. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean we have to be in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. We can share to other women out in the community mm-hmm. and bring them in and, and show them what grace is yeah. and love and transparency and that we're going to love you no matter what. That To me, that is the most important aspect, I think, of our ministry. It is, and I think part of it, too, is also 
within the charts, there's for years there's been this, you know, women can't teach. Women can't, the, the women can't, mm-hmm. however you want to phrase that. But there is so much that we can do. And we do not need to relegate ourselves mm-hmm. into those positions of, well, that's really not my job to teach other people. That's really not my job to do this. You know, because of this grace we've been given, it's not our job. It's our, it's our gift. Mm-hmm. And I think that That's, we've made it very difficult. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We've made it difficult to teach. We're afraid that we are not going to teach something correctly about salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through all of those little lessons when I was growing up. You know, this is what you need. And all the little steps of salvation. And in doing our podcast and, and trying to put this together, it's really pretty simple. It's in Acts. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter had a great lesson. They said, mm-hmm. hey, what, what, can, what can we do? This is what you do. Mm-hmm. It, it's really simple. Mm-hmm. You know, the heart is what was pricked. Mm-hmm. You know, they realized what they had done. And there wasn't this, you need to know this first. You need to know this. This is how you have, this is how you have to act before. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of women think, oh, I need to be good mm-hmm. before I can be baptized. Mm-hmm. And that's not just women. I think that's just people in general. Well, probably people in general. But I know, you know, I know that there are times that you just think, I can't do that because I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm just not good enough yet. And that's what we want women. And we want women to be able to to feel empowered. And I hate that word, Ugh. empowered. But I want them to be able to um, take... Be confident. Be confident. Take that, take that our um, lesson stepping out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. It's free. Print it off. Take it, study with someone in their home. You know, it's very simple. It's about women. It's not intimidating. It's a one-page study and and be able to listen to the podcast and have that ability to have that conversation one-on-one with someone, someone that you work with or someone that you are friends with or someone that is in your family Mm -hmm. that you just can't quite, there's nothing fearful about leading people to Christ. Yeah. Nothing at all. It's simple. And, and when, when we're convinced of the things that we're talking about, both as men and women, when we're convinced that we are saved by grace and we are overwhelmed with that, then it, we almost can't help. You know, we yes. can't, it's like the apostle said, we can't help speaking about the things we've seen and heard and, you know, we can't keep it in. What would you say, I'm going to kind of put y'all on the spot here a little bit, but what would you say are some of the things that we should do or shouldn't do as a church family to make people feel welcome. So what are some of the things that we do, especially to women, to make them to feel the way we're talking about? We don't want them to feel. We don't want them to feel intimidated. We don't want them to feel judged. We don't want them to feel you know, excluded or whatever. What are some of the things that we do that end up making them feel that way that we shouldn't do? And what are some of the things that we should do in order to, if you know, let's say somebody from the community dares to step in, and I've heard it as a preacher a thousand times. You know, I, if I ever came to church, I'm afraid the building, the roof would cave in or whatever. <laughs> Lightning's you know. going to strike. Yeah, and so they're they're terrified of of even stepping in the building. But let's say they do, and they they step in, and they're they're afraid of what they might find. What what are some of the things that we could, as a church family, be aware of and and be intentional about? I think one of the first things that we need to think about and not do is judge a book by its cover because mm-hmm. I don't know in the, just the last few weeks at our congregation we've had some visitors come in and they are not your typical Church of Christ visitors they're not coming in from other 
churches visiting. You mm-hmm. know, we had a woman not long ago came in off the street. And I sat and visited with her, lovely woman. And I'm not so sure how many other people took the time to meet her sure. because she didn't look like us. Mm-hmm. So don't judge a book by its cover. That's, I think that would be the number one thing in my book. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've bad, I'm, bad, bad, I'm bad about that a lot. You know, or you get busy and you just don't notice. Mm-hmm. I think embracing, like you said, talking to someone, but embracing them. I'm a hugger. Just embracing someone when they walk through the door and making them feel welcome. It would, it's just like walking into your home. Mm. When someone comes to your home, you don't ignore them and go into the kitchen. You, you want them to feel comfortable. And so you, you're not, you know, the, here's our classes. This is what we have. Um, wh- what is it that, that you really need from us? Is there something that you need? You know, is there, you know, do you need a class that's uh, a beginner's Bible study? Or is it, do you need someone to pray with you? I think we automatically think that they're going to tell us what their needs are, and they're not. And so I don't have problems with saying, hey, you know, we're so glad you're here. You know, let me give you a hug. And um, like I said, I'm a hugger and some people aren't. But I think that, and in fact, it was on a Facebook, you know, we were talking about that holy kiss and, and all those. Those are touching things. Jesus mm-hmm. touched people. And I think we have a tendency to, oh, they're visiting, you know, maybe I'll get to them. But, oh, I got to talk to someone. So because mm-hmm. there's a funeral next week and we got casseroles and we got food lists. And so we make those our important things instead of the things when visitors walk, that should be the most important thing. I think another thing sometimes we do is we get so cut up, caught up in what we're studying. Like if we're studying Romans or we're studying a series, that we forget maybe there needs to be a study of just simple Bible stories that everyone can understand, that you don't need to go into the deep dive background and know that a lot of people don't care about the Greek word meanings. They just want to know the message of Christ. I do. I like that. But. Well, you do. <laughs> but there, there will be visitors who, that's not an appropriate. Right. It's, too, it's too much. Teaching. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it's overwhelming. So why do you want to come to a church where you feel like everyone is so over your head that I could never fit? Mm-hmm. So I think we need to be very cautious to keep, the true message, which is the love of Christ, at the forefront of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And then once they leave, then we need to stay in touch, mm-hmm. even if they don't come back for months at a time. I think that's where we fail. Oh, so-and-so, they have been coming. Oh, what happened? I didn't realize they hadn't been here in a while. Did, did anyone call? You know, I think there has to be an effort mm-hmm. made by the congregations and I know when I came to McDermott, McDermott, I mean, you visited, you had a thousand cards. I mean, they, there are women that that is their ministry. And I think in smaller churches, it's a little more difficult, but I think we can't lose, even if that means going to their house, you mm-hmm. know, later and just saying, Hey, we were so glad you were here. Do you need anything? Mm-hmm. You know, we're here for you. And just make, it's just like coming to your home. Mm-hmm. When I come to here, this is like coming home for me. That's what I told Liam. We were. I was like, this is my home. This is where, you know, we went for so many years. And that's how we have to make it feel for visitors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and y'all push back and, and tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. But, but I find that 
both with dealing with women visitors and even probably a little bit with men visitors, that that women may have an easier time uh, breaking down some of the walls because men tend to be kind of intimidating, you know. And so if I approach a visitor, especially a woman by herself, you know, and and I, you know, welcome her or whatever. I cannot do what y'all could do. I cannot do and minister to her the same way y'all can, uh, because with good reason, you know. I mean, it's just it's just the way things are. You know that, that men are just a little bit more intimidating uh, than than women, and so there's a huge ministry opportunity there. Where if we if we just put that off on preachers and elders and deacons, that we're missing something because women can minister to other women, but to a lot of people, children and even to men, you know. That, that are there to, to make them feel welcome and accepted and those kinds of things because because you're just nicer or, or, or more, <laughs> you know, more easier to get along with or a gentler touch or whatever or less intimidating, however you want to put that. Uh, but there's such a huge opportunity there, I think, for women. You know, people come to church, obviously, to worship God mm-hmm. and to learn more about him. But they also come for relationships. Right. You know, what keeps us coming back? you know, to every service and to every project and to help with VBS. Yes, we love God. You know, we want to worship him. But we're coming in large part, too, for those relationships that we've built. And when you have the the women visitors, I would hope that they're coming for that relationship with God. But they're also searching for other relationships. And that's where we, you can't build that type of relationship with other women visitors. Mm-hmm. And yep. you can't understand a mom that's coming in with three kids and it's all, she She doesn't even know if her shoes match right. <laughs> when she's coming through the door. I, I understand that. You know, mm-hmm. I had five boys mm-hmm. and just getting to church with all five boys was a miracle within itself. So I think, you know, building that relationship building, that is something that women do. We build relationships. And we need to do more of. Yeah. And I think I think you nailed it. You're right. I mean, you can come up and meeting the preacher is great and, and awesome to a certain extent, but it's the it's the other mom mm-hmm. that says, Oh my goodness, your kids are so cute. Can mm-hmm. I help get them to class? You know, do they like graham crackers or goldfish? Mm-hmm. Just those simple things. And it just takes that stress off of a mom to know that that you're embracing them and you know Women have a sense. I know those moms that come through our building in the morning that have had a rough morning. Because <laughs> I've been, been there, there, done that. Been there, got the t-shirt to prove it. I don't think men, I think in a nice way, but I think men are clueless to some mm-hmm. of that. Sure. I, and I think that, I think, and I may, again, I may be wrong, but I think that a lot of, especially young women that come to church maybe for the first time, or maybe they come to church sporadically, they they already feel judged. They already feel yes. like these other women, they've got it all together. Their kids never did what my kids do. They never, you know, had a hard time like I'm having a hard time. And they're looking down their noses at me. And they feel like and there's there's already that and and it's probably in their head you know there may be some people that actually feel that way but it's probably in their head but but they're they're telling themselves that and then the little things that we either do or don't do either prove that to them or disprove that to them or they think wow i thought they were going to look down their nose at me but they're not they love me and they accept yeah me. and that transparency of telling a mom, oh, I remember these days, right. you know, I lost my Christianity before I ever got out the door, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's, they need to know that. Right. They need to feel that, that because they, I think they do. I think women, don't you agree? I think women sometimes already think that they are judged 
you know, because either their clothes aren't right or their kids aren't dressed right or their kids are not behaving, behaving well. well. You know, my kids are not, and I've heard that over and over, my kids aren't, don't behave well enough to sit in class. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. We got it covered. You know, one of the things you're asking, you know, things that we can do, and this may seem so minor. I think sometimes we need to dress down because we get people that come in the church that they do not have the clothes that most, I won't say that, that a lot of people can afford. My husband's an elder where we go. You will seldom find him in a suit. He will wear jeans and a nice press shirt. I seldom wear a dress because we, and our just little thing is we never want someone to walk through those doors who doesn't see someone dressed casually Mm -hmm. because it's important you know that they can at least if nothing else they're not alone Mm -hmm. in that sense and this happened 20 years ago but we walked into a church and we had we were visiting and we had our two little boys with us at the time and we had forgotten our Sunday clothes we had visited this church before we had always been embraced, welcomed, because we were that couple with the two cute kids, you know, the whole thing. That Sunday, we were dressed in clothes that we had worked in all weekend at the farm. Not one person spoke to us. Wow. If we would not have already had previous experiences with that congregation, we would never have walked back in those doors. Sure. And it taught us a lesson. I said it earlier. Earlier, Don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that's just one of those tiny things that you can do. Keep yourself humble. You know, you don't have to be the cutest at the church. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be dressed the best. Just stay humble. Let other people relate to you that may not have what you have. You know, and, and what the Bible actually teaches, especially to women, about what we, you know, what the Bible says is modesty. We have so misunderstood that. And not to say that that it's okay to be scantily clad, but what the Bible is actually talking about when it talks about modesty is what you just said, is that humility not to turn not to turn it into a fashion show. And that's exactly what we've done so many times, men and women, mm-hmm. uh, fancy suits and, and pretty dresses. And, and specifically it says the gold and the jewels and the braided hair. And we have done all of that to prove our worth and our value and and we have made other people, not only is that wrong for ourselves, but it's hurtful to other people that come in and say, well, I don't, I don't fit here. I never want anybody to feel like they don't fit in amongst God's people. It should be a place where everybody can feel like they can fit in. You know, and there's this argument of, well, you should be giving your best to God. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I, was. I don't think God cares about that. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I think he cares. I think he believes that my best is coming from my heart. Mm-hmm. It's not coming from my outward appearance. Well, if you're going to go into a community, uh, knock on doors. We don't do that anymore. But, you know, you, you don't go in a suit and knock on doors. You're just going in your everyday clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you're not going dressed up. Well, you want people to see God. You don't want them to see you. Yes, yes. Which is why I wear my boots every Sunday to church. <laughs> Because well, and, yeah, and that's the thing is that there was a time when I, in fact, I said this from the pulpit the other day that, you know, a hundred years ago at a professional baseball game, you'd see every single man would be wearing a suit and tie. And, and that was at a ball game. And yes. I said, you know, that now we're just lucky if the men are all wearing shirts, you know, so it's just a different <laughs> world now. But, but, you know, 
now, if you went to a ball game wearing a suit and tie, unless you were sitting in one of the fancy boxes, you, you would stick out like a sore thumb. You'd be drawing attention to yourself. And, and that's what we don't realize sometimes that cultures change. If I wore robes like Jesus wore to worship, I'd be calling attention to myself. I'd be making it about me. And, and so we, and, and unfortunately, not unfortunately, but it's just the way things are that, that cultures change and times change and neighborhoods change and, and, and what's appropriate to wear in one community in one neighborhood may not be appropriate in another community in another neighborhood. And we have to dress in such a way that if people from our neighborhood and we pray to God that they do walk in through the doors, that they feel like these are people that love me and aren't looking down their noses at me and that embrace me and love me. And even if, and you know, I think it's a beautiful thing when there's diversity in a congregation of all kinds, even in what we're wearing, so that there's people wearing suits and ties and nice dresses and there's people wearing jeans and... and cowboy boots. Right, cowboy <laughs> boots, whatever it is. And, and I think that's the way it was in the first century. I think that's the way that it should be now. Don't you and think the, that shows a level of acceptance for oh, whoever absolutely. wants to come? Exactly. We we want the rich people to come and we want the poor people to come and we want the people to come that are from the United States and the people that are not from the United States and people that we want everybody to feel like this is a place where I can come and, and know God and know God's people. And I think when you asked that question, what women can do, I think women can be more transparent mm-hmm. with women. And it may take a little bit. I, I know... I'm a little more transparent than Leanne is. But I think that at some point, we have to be that way. We have to let them know, hey, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, And once that door is open up for women, I think it's easy for them to come back. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy for them to feel more comfortable. You know, It's easy for them to sit down and have a cup of coffee. And it's easy to, to say, hey, you know, come to my house. You mm-hmm. know, just come, come hang out and you know, we'll talk. Yeah. It's easy. And you can't do that as a man. And the more you get to know each other, the more people will see that, you know, oh, their house isn't perfect or their life isn't perfect or whatever. And you, and it just, it can't happen in 20 minutes, you know, no. visiting in the foyer. I mean, that's just not going to, I mean, I think sometimes we, we end up with a false transparency we're trying to be transparent and we're we're like oh you know over exaggerating <laughs> well i'm messed up and i'm broken and you should see my you know and so we i'm be, broken more than you are <laughs> yeah that's it yeah it becomes a contest a race to the bottom and and so but but when when it happens organically because we're involved in each other's lives and we're inviting people into our homes and into our life we take them out to eat we take them over to the house you know then they can see for themselves uh, that we're real and that we, we do have problems, but that the Lord is making us better and that there's something better in this group of people that I, I don't have without this group of people and without whatever it is that they have. You know, one of the reasons we started the podcast is that we had this Bible study that we started and Leanne and I were the old woman, the women, women sorry, <laughs> women. And there was these young women that wanted to have this Bible study with us. And we were in each other's homes, and I think that was the beauty of it was that it was they saw us that we weren't some kind of extraordinary. We were just ordinary women mm-hmm. that loved God, and those conversations that happened at that table over just one chapter in a book that we were studying. That's what I wanted everyone to hear. I mm-hmm. wanted them to feel that. That just that ease, don't you? That comfort that we had, and the questions that they would ask us. Well, we, when we started this, 
it was planned we are going to have an hour. You know, they would bring their kids. The kids just kind of all played around us while we're studying, and that's fine. And it started like at an hour. And then it went to an hour and a half. <laughs> and then it went to two hours, and, and we had lunch. <laughs> now, but it, it showed us there was a need for this. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to we believe that young women are so busy with their families and with this and with that that they don't have time to study. Mm-hmm. They will take time to study. You know, you give that opportunity and accept their children, the ones that can stay home. You know, you accept them as a whole and bring them together. It's amazing what can come from that. Mm-hmm. You know, just, but it takes a little time. And takes effort. some study. Study and effort and the ability and to open up your home. I, I don't know that we do, you know, we do the Bible studies at church. You know, we have a... That's nothing that, like having a Bible study in your home. Nothing like having it in your home. Yep. There's something there's something about that it that is. is intangible that it's even undescribable. It is. The what happens when you gather around a kitchen table or a coffee table or you sit around in somebody's home, it, it changes it changes us. It changes our relationship with each other. Yes. Hospitality is is absolutely pivotal to relationships. So I think about New Testament, you know, Christianity and they met in homes. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have that I think activity centers have become I dislike them. Because it has taken people out of their home. Mm-hmm. You used to have people into your home, and now we, well, we'll just meet at the church. You know, we'll do this. Because we'll, I don't have time to clean my house. <laughs> and it's right. easier. Yeah. But now when we had our Bible studies, it would be like, my house is dirty. Come on over. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just busy with life. It seems like though we have moved everything to happening at the church, where if you look at New Testament Christianity, it all happened in your home. Mm-hmm. And that's an example I think we really need to study up on and pay attention to. It's one thing when the church building becomes a supplement and and we're able to be here because nobody has a home that can fit, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And then that supplements what we're doing in our home. But it's another thing when it replaces it. And that's what I, what I think that we and we, we tended, I think, you know, obviously I'm young, but. But I, I think that our culture is becoming more and more closed off from each other. We've got these artificial means of communicating online and social media. And so we have this kind of superficial friendship with a lot of people. But where we used to sit on the front porch and have people over and our home was kind of an open place where people could come and go and, and they felt like they could come and go or even call somebody on the phone. Now it's getting to the point where we don't really want to have a conversation, you know, no, text, text me. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm the same me. way, but it, it's just, it's gotten to the point where uh, we retreat into our home and, and our home is kind of our own private space where we don't, we don't allow or invite people to interrupt our life. And we, we're, we're shortchanging ourselves and other people. And Christ. And Christ, absolutely. The, the cause. He went it, to their homes. That's it. He went into their homes. And it, I think about that every time we'd have about, that's where Jesus went. Mm-hmm. He went to their homes. He, he ate with them. And I'm all about food and snacks. So <laughs> <laughs> anytime that there is an opportunity to do that, I am there. <laughs> so where can people find, find your podcast? It is at thebibleandcoffee.com. Bibleandcoffee.com. Bibleandcoffee.com. And uh, we have uh, two podcasts, The Stepping Out of the Ordinary, and we're hoping to have a big event in 2020. So hopefully for women of the congregations to get together and, and learn, come together and learn more about how leading other women to Christ. So we're looking forward to that. So hopefully we'll 
have some more information about that coming up soon. Awesome. And we're also on Facebook, The Bible and Coffee. And I think Twitter is the same Twitter, thing. Twitter, but I'm not good at Twitter yet. <laughs> Instagram and Twitter, but I'm I'm just I'm not a good Twitter yet. <laughs> gotcha. Well, thank you both so much. This has been this has been really good. I really appreciate you both. Thank being you here. for having us. We thank appreciate you. it so much, Wes. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this encouraging. And I hope you'll subscribe and give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.